All right, guys. Well, it's happening, man. As you can see, it's unbelievable. This constant transformation in that place, uh, just a couple exits down the, the highway. And, uh, but I just know the main question I feel like I get asked is, so when is this going to happen? Anybody want to know when this is going to happen? All right. So here's, here, uh, and by the way, would you give Eric Winter a big round of, of, of applause for me? Um, I am just, uh, we, we are so honored, seriously, to have a guy who's been through this type of process before back in Detroit, and, uh, and just managing this whole thing for us is fantastic. So in all the discussions with the construction and everything, here's what, here's what we know today. Um, we, have, we told you that uh, the temporary certifi certificate of occupancy, which allows us to get in there, will happen in mid-January, and that's still the case. So we talked about how maybe they'd want to get us in in December, but as we've talked about it, it actually just works best for us just to do it mid-January. Once that happens with construction, there is a punch list, they call it. So even once you have the temporary certificate, there's still just stuff that has to be done. And so that'll take about a couple more weeks. So what that gives us is the time frame, and here's how we're saying it. We're gonna have a family move, which means all of us who actually go to K2, we will actually be leaving this facility and moving over there on Sunday, February 1st. So, yep, so that's our date. And, um, and then what we're gonna do is we're gonna just be there as a family, as a church, for the whole month of February. And what that allows us to do is to work out all the kinks, right? Because everything's going to be new. <laughs> so this gives us a chance for Adventure Canyon to make sure that the process is really good for parents and kids and everybody knows where to go. The connections team to make sure that they've got this, this new thing. The arts team to work out the kinks of the technical and the video and the audio and all that kind of stuff. And then what we'll be, we'll be doing is putting out a promotion and inviting the whole rest of the valleys to begin to join us on March 1st. So that will be our kickoff for the whole thing. So there you go. There's our time frame uh, as, we, as we move forward. Couple things then for this move. <clears throat> One of the things that I have been most excited about our team in is this. They have worked so hard to be as financially responsible as possible throughout this whole process. And there's one thing that we're able to do that actually is gonna save us a half a million dollars which is fantastic, and that's what this is. So basically what we're gonna do is we're gonna be taking all of our technical stuff in here. Like I think sometimes people get so concerned about, you know, what's it gonna be like, is it gonna to be too showy? And we just wanna let you know, no, it's gonna be this. <laughs> so we're gonna be taking our screens, these lights, our, our audio visual, our video from this building and some of it from the red that we use and actually taking it over and moving it over to that spot. And so, and that move right there, you guys, saves us a half a million dollars. Isn't that awesome? And, and, and so here's what I want you all to do. I want you to turn around, just real quick, turn around and look back in the sound booth and give it up for Mike Seifert, who's our technical director. Wave Mike so everybody knows which way. There he is, Big Mike. I, I'm telling you guys, you, you have no idea. Um, Kevin, who's our architect, who works with churches all around the nation, he says, you guys have no idea. He goes, I know every church I work with would die to have a technical director like you have. He goes, you have, he has saved you so much money through this process. So man, anytime you see Mike, give him a big hug and give him a big thanks. So to make that happen, here's what's gonna be happening as we're under construction. Mike needs to start taking, because this is valuable stuff, right? And so he needs a big team who's gonna be taking all this out of here and he needs to start December 1st. And we need to get all this out, package it just right, and then move it over to our new facility and, and so that it's ready as soon as we can put it up. And then, uh, and then the installation of everything. That's gonna, so we need to start December 1st. Now because of that, that means this building starting December 1st can't be in use. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna get really cozy for the winter, right? <laughs> We like, how many of you like cozy in the winter, all right? So that's what we're going to do. So what we're, we are actually, the first service, our first Sunday in December, we're all going to be together in the red box. Yeah, yeah. you're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> no, and we are. And, and so Dave Elsog and, and Eric have, have figured out we can cram a bunch of chairs in there, more than, more than we can actually fit in here. And, and, and we talked through everything, you guys. We said, well, maybe we could go to three services. And we're like, we did that before. And just so you know, when you do three services, you have one good time and you have two like not good times and it just kind of feels empty. And this gives us two full services. So the energy is going to be fantastic. The other thing is there's a lot of work that our teams are doing, our volunteers are doing as we're getting ready to prepare. And the last thing we wanted to do 
is now add another service that you have to do. So for our Adventure Canyon team, for our arts team, for Connections, we just really wanted to honor them. And, 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 and we just, the other thing is, it's the less change. We don't go from 930 and 11.30 to three different times and then back to 930 and 11.30. It just keeps us in the same groove. And, 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 and as we wrestled with how to do this best, I just, and we even thought, well, maybe we could do something stripped down in here. But Mike's like, no, man, there's just going to be stuff hanging. There's, it's just not going to be safe in this building. And so we're moving over there together. And I want to tell you, when we finally made the decision, to, can I just ask you, is it worth two months being cozy in the red box to save a half a million dollars? Yeah, absolutely, man. So, so we're excited about it. And uh, so let me just tell you, here's what I'd love to ask you, though. If we could get about 50 to 75 of you who normally go to 1130 to switch to 930, Okay, that would be fantastic because there's more that come to 1130 and 930. So some of you would just could switch if you would do that. That would help us out a lot. Second thing, just keep praying, you guys. I mean, we're moving forward. It's such an exciting time. But let's keep praying for our construction and for our church and our body as we move forward. And then lastly, really do uh, join Vaughn the Builder. By the way, he's not just a decoy. He really is going to do the building, okay? So when we create our Adventure Canyon space and make it beautiful, it is going to be us who does that. And so, man, if you have any skills whatsoever, um, and, and even if you don't, like me, anybody, you can still do grunt, right? And you can still help out. And we'll just, we're going to need everybody to make this thing go smooth. All right? Yeah. So you guys ready? Yeah. All right. It's going to be great. Let me just pray for us, and then we'll jump into our message. Father, thank you for this day. And as we continue this series, the me that I want to be, first of all, I just want to pray that you would make us the church that we want to be. God, keep moving and working in K2. Help us to be a place that cares about everyone in this valley. That we would be able to spend our lives helping every person know there's an amazing God of love who just wants to give grace and give everyone life. We pray for that grace. Help us, God, to be knit together. We know that you died so that we could be one and love each other deeply from the heart. Make us the church that you want us to be. And Lord, as we move forward seeking to be faithful to you, to never stop on this mission, we just ask for your covering, your protection, your unity, and your grace. And now, Dad, <laughs> what a great day. What a great truth that we're going to look at today. And I know that I can't do a thing here but present, but I'm going to ask in the name of Jesus that you would help everyone in this room, that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened so that they could see you and know you. And I pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so here we go. So you guys uh, talked about 9-11, right? Did you? Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> so kind of a profound day. And um, a day that changed things, right? I, I, it was so funny for me. I remember the next morning, I actually stopped to get gasoline. Well, do you guys actually remember the first day? Like everybody ran to the gas pumps, right? Because they thought we're not going to get gas. So I waited till the next day. And um, it was early in the morning, and I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, I hear this voice behind me saying, hey. I'm like, who says hey to you in the gas station, right? <laughs> Nobody. And he goes, how you doing? Who asked you how you're doing at the gas station? <laughs> And next thing you know, we have this conversation because that day, all of a sudden, made us realize we're a community here. And we actually started caring about each other. It was really weird. Do you guys remember church attendance spiking? <laughs> like next thing you know, everybody's going to church because we got to figure this whole thing out. And, and then it was weird too. Last night, I was at the youth football game. Wow. 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 What a game. Okay. But in the, in the, in the beginning, when, when the uh, national anthem began, I looked at Eric and I said, do you remember, do you guys remember, do you remember the first time you heard the national anthem played after 9-11? It was just more powerful. But, so it changed things. But for how long? Church attendance rose for about a week or two, and then what happened? Everybody stopped going. People were friendly at the gas pump, and then, you know, the next time you went, nobody could care less that you were there. See, some things happen, and they are profound days, and we remember them, but the change doesn't last forever. What we're talking about here, you guys, in this series, the me that I want to be, is we're talking about a transformation that lasts. 
And I'm going to look at some very important days in my own life through these illustrations to help you and I get to this place where we can actually believe that there's a God who says, I want you to be the person I created you to be. I want you to experience a transformation that doesn't just last for a couple days, but that is eternal, that doesn't ever stop. And that's what God does. So the last uh, two weeks ago, we started this off and we said, if you're going to be the me that you want to be, then you need to understand you're made complete by design, right? You've got to understand there is a God that we looked at, and you can look at and listen to the message if you need to on our website. There's a God who says, I have created you in me. You are my idea. Your inmost being, your personality is the way it is for a reason. Your physical being and the talents and gifts and abilities you have are for a reason. And then I love, he says, and every day of your life has already been ordained before one of them came to be. So if you are going to find the person you want to be, two weeks ago we looked at, well, then you got to understand, you better get in touch with your creator then. Because he's the only one who actually knows why you're you and what your days are meant to be. And then last week, Mike Rutledge talked to us about if you're, you, you're made complete by another. This is a great message, man. He focused on grace. It's the beautiful jewel of Christianity. And that is, so many of you right here are trying so hard to become the you that you want to be. And what Mike taught us last week was, no, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> That's God's work. Right? You are saved by what? Grace. grace. It's a gift. You don't work for it. You're saved by grace through faith. You don't try to be a better person. Jesus, when he came, he said, just stop that. He goes, you're very frustrating with all your human efforts to make yourself better. He goes, ah, you are saved by grace. You got to receive that through faith, not by works so that nobody can boast. And then he says in verse 10, this is Ephesians 2.10. He says, for therefore you are God's workmanship, God's masterpiece. See, what happens is God goes to work within you and he's the one who creates you and to be the person that you are meant to be. It's awesome. So then we're going to move in today. And here's how I've titled today. It's that you're made complete by surrender. Because here's my question. If God does it all, if it's his workmanship within us, then how come anybody else frustrated with the lack of transformation in your life? <laughs> okay. Well, if it's, if, it's, if it's God's grace and it's his workmanship, well then, I, I'll just be honest. With you. I'm just going to be honest. I've, I've been very frustrated for about 30 years going, Dan, is this the best you can do? Because I look in there and I, I think there might be some better stuff going on. So we're going to look today at you're saved by grace through what? Faith. In Galatians, Paul said the only thing that counts is faith, expressing itself through love. But I think we struggle to actually understand what faith is. When the Bible says you got to believe, I don't think we really get it, okay? I'm going to use an illustration. If you've been in church for a long time, you've heard it. If Hopefully some of you, this is fresh. But there was a guy named Charles Blondin who in the mid-1800s used to walk across a tightrope over the Niagara Falls, right? And he was a spectacle. People loved him. Crowds would come out. In fact, I read this week that sometimes the crowds would cheer for him so much that their, their cheers were louder than the roar of the falls on, on below. And so he'd do all these fantastic feats on the tightrope. And one day he came out with a, with a wheelbarrow. And he, and he took the wheelbarrow and he went across the rope. And then he came back. And as he did, everybody's like, oh, you're amazing. Ah, and they're all cheering him and they loved him. And then he said, how many of you think that I, how many of you believe that I could actually take, put a human being in the wheelbarrow and take him across the Niagara Falls? And everybody's like, woo, yeah, you can do this. You can do anything. And then he said, okay, who wants to get in? <laughs> so your laughter shows that you know the answer, right? <laughs> so everybody said they what? Believed. Did they? No. And here's what we do with God. We sit in church. I'm going to ask one, man. We, we dupe ourselves into thinking we actually believe. And I'll ask you, hey, do you believe this? Yeah. And then God goes, get in. And we all go, oh. <laughs> and then we wonder why is my life not changing? 
Why am I not experiencing his power? Why isn't there transformation? Why am I still not the me that I want to be? And I just want to tell you today, I think lots of times it's because we don't actually really believe. And so our greeters are going to come forward, and I've asked them um, to give you a sunflower seed. And, uh, and uh, as they do, I'm going to uh, share this little illustration. And when you get the sunflower seed, please keep it. It's very important for the, the last part of our service today. So uh, if you guys could just humor me a little bit here, uh, we'll uh, pretend we're kind of in an elementary school classroom, okay? So if I took, a, okay, are the seeds coming? What's that? All right, so here we go. If I, if I gave one of these sunflower seeds and I set it here on the table, okay, and the other sunflower seed, I dug a hole in the dirt here and I threw the seed in the dirt and I covered it over, I buried it. Which seed do you think has a chance to grow? Okay, now I love this because almost every time I ask that question, everybody laughs. Now, why did you laugh? You know why you laughed? You laughed because, you know, you just, you, and, and your reaction was, that is a stupid question. <laughs> because you know this one has no shot. And the only chance for this seed to become what it was meant to be, it has to, it has to be buried and die. Okay, you guys are in trouble. You ready? John chapter 12, here's what Jesus says. Very truly, I tell you. Now, you know, listen, when, when Jesus says very truly, in some versions, which is actual Greek, it's truly, truly. He's kind of going, come on, McFly, right? Get this. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now listen to this. Truly I tell you this, those who love their life in this world will lose it. But those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. And here's the challenge that we're going to go through for this rest of this morning. Is my hope would be that when Jesus, so here's our creator. And here's the one who knows you. And Jesus came down, he said, and I came down to testify to what's really true. Can I tell you what's true? In the same way that you know this seed has no shot of becoming what it was meant to be unless it dies. The same is true for you. So, and here's what I want to tell you. Today, how we're going to look at this. When Jesus says you got to die, what's he mean? I just think dying is faith. It means you're going to stop trusting yourself, okay? You're going to be dead to yourself, and you're actually going to trust him instead. And I want to tell you, man, when you stop trusting yourself and start trusting God, it feels like death. Now, here's what's cool, you guys, is what was this seed meant to be? Go ahead, put that up. Don't, don't miss this. Inside this seed is that. That is what this is meant to be. That's what this was created to be. And here's what I want to tell you. Every one of you in this room are this with that potential inside of it. And Jesus is telling you right now, if you want to have control of your life and if you want to do what you want to do, then this, you're going to lose it. And you'll stay a single seed. But if you will trust me with your life and let me have it with faith, then that's what you'll become you will become the me that you actually want to be. So here's how we're going to do this. I'm just going to walk you through um, my story and the different ways that I've experienced this reality in my life. So we're going to start over here. How many of you remember these? Anybody grow up with one of these in your, in your church? These are called pews, in case you, you didn't know. Um, 
And so for me, I, I, my family that I grew up in uh, was, my mom and dad were great people. And when they got married, they thought that going to church would be a good thing, okay? This was the 60s. So a lot of people went to church back then, unlike today. And so, uh, but Jesus was never a topic of conversation in our home. So I, and I say that because it's really important because sometimes you think, oh, you're a pastor. You must have grown up with all this spiritual stuff. But it's like, no, I didn't. I, we went to church. How many of you went to church? Right? You went to church. Just like me. So one day I was sitting in this pew when I was 11 years old, which is so weird because my daughter's 11. I think about this. And, uh, and they gave a message at the end of the service. And at the end of the service, they said, if you want to receive eternal life, then all you got to do is you have to really believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You have to believe that he actually came to save you from your sin. You need to understand that your sin, you doing your own thing, saving your life, okay, doing your own thing is separating you from God. It's keeping you actually from God. Don't raise your hand, but I know some of you right now here today, you are doing nothing but saving, trying to control your life. And what Jesus is saying to you is, if you're doing that, it's keeping you from God. And he's the only one who can actually give you your life. So they said, if you want to receive Christ today, then here's what you need to do. I grew up in the Methodist church, and we had altar calls. And what that meant was, if you were going to receive Christ, you had to get up in front of everybody and walk in front of the church and kneel down at an altar. Now I was an 11-year-old boy, and I remember sitting there, man, and I'm like going, My, have you ever felt this? Like when God is speaking to you? It's like that big magnet in the cartoon. You're like, I, 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 I want Jesus. I want this. I wanted it so bad. But I'm an 11-year-old boy, and there ain't no way I'm going in front of everybody. <laughs> I, I'm not going to do that. So I made a deal with God. How many of you make deals with God? Okay. I started when I was 11. So. And here was my first deal. I told God, I said, if one of my friends goes, I'll go. So I'm going to tell you, man, it felt like an eternity. And I sat there, and I just, I, I was looking around, and I'm, I'm just like, would somebody go? Because I got to get up there, man. I need Christ. And finally, Jimmy Poit walked up the aisle. You know what's cool, dude? Jim Poit's in ministry today. Is that not crazy? Something funky was going on in Lapeer, Michigan that day. And I remember as soon as Jim walked up, I was like, and before I knew it, and I'm, I'm like, before I knew it, I'm like, excuse me, Dad. Excuse me, Mom. Excuse me, Mark. Excuse me, Diane. Had a big family. Excuse me, Mike. <laughs> Excuse me, Amy. And that's part of the point. To have to, in front of my dad and my mom, who I didn't know if they knew what the, what the heck was going on because we'd never talked about this, and to walk up in front of all my friends because I wanted to receive Christ. And I remember, man, I got down to that altar and I, my whole prayer was, Jesus, please help me to stop crying because I was just so embarrassed. <laughs> but I want to tell you, what did I do on that day? What did I do on that day? I died. I died. To all myself and all of my fear and all of my pride, even as an 11-year-old, it was all there. And I said, more than doing what I want to do, I want you, Jesus. And I died. And I want to tell you, man, this is the weirdest thing to me is, I have never been the same ever. It's not a 9-11 thing. It's an eternal thing. And the way Jesus put it is this. In John chapter 3, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, there it is again, Unless one is born again, he cannot even see the kingdom of God. And he answered again, truly, truly. Here he goes, get this, you guys. I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter, you can't even enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So here's, let me try to explain this. The kingdom of God means, if there's a kingdom, that means there's a king. And that means there's somebody who gets to call the shots in your life. And the kingdom, you guys, is God. It's his kingdom. It means his reign. And what Jesus was telling us is you can't even see God's ways unless you have something spiritual happen. It has to be born of the spirit. Flesh is, gives birth to flesh, right? So we're all fleshly. We get that. 
which just simply means I'm going to do whatever I want because I'm the, I'm the king. We all live in the kingdom of ourself. Every human being does. And what Jesus said is, if you, you can't even enter the kingdom of God, which means you can't even say yes to God. You will never follow God ever until you're born again. Now, you can try to be good, and you can go to church, and you can try to make yourself a good person. And again, Jesus says, stop it. Stop it. Stop it right now. I'm not interested in any of your self-righteousness at all. It'll either make you proud or it'll make you shameful if you can't do it. Just stop it. The only way you're ever going to be able to follow me is you actually have to put your faith in me. You are saved by grace through faith and not by any works of your own. Here's how we put it in chapter 1. To all who receive him and to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Do you guys see that? Some of you in this room, you've, you've tried church and it ain't working. And you've tried K2 and it ain't working. You've tried being a good person and it ain't working. And I want to tell you, it ain't going to work, according to Jesus, until you die to yourself and actually believe, trust him, and receive him. And as soon as you receive him, guess what? I'm, I'm telling you, man, you will never be the same again. You will finally actually be able to start being the me that he created you to be. So at the end of the service, I'm going to give you a chance. Some of you, you've got your seed here today. And I, I believe with all my heart that God is asking some of you to stop it. Stop being religious. Stop trusting yourself and receive him by faith and let him make you new. He'll finally be your king. You'll finally be reconciled to God and you'll finally let the one who created you and knows your life actually start to bring it to fruition. It was so fun to see this place littered with seeds after the first service. It was a good day. Now, some of you are like, okay, I did that. I really did. I, I'm, a, I'm a follower of Christ. But I got to tell you, Dave, man, my life don't look anything like I want it to be. Anybody in that boat? Okay. So let me go on with my story. So I received Christ, and I really did. But nobody really helped me know what I was doing. So I was one of those guys who I'd go to bed at night, and I'd, 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 like, I really wanted God, and yet I sinned. And it was, oh, it was horrible. Every night you go in bed, and you're like, oh, I'm awful, and yet I want Jesus. Ugh, you know, it's a horrible place to be. And, and um, so, but something happened to me when I was a teenager, and that is I fell in love. And I mean, I like really fell in love, which freaks me out because my daughter's 13. And I pray to God this doesn't happen to her. <laughs> Falling in love is a horrible thing. No, I'm just kidding. No, and, um, but what happened was um, this girl, I dated her for four and a half years, man. And I loved her with every fiber of my being. I mean, you ask my family, it was ridiculous how much I loved this girl. And so what happened with that, though, is she actually became my God. So do you guys, like, um, here would be a definition for a God, for me. Your God is, when it comes down to make a final decision in your life, whatever or whoever carries the most weight and influence that causes you to make your decision, <laughs> that's your God. And so and my God was five foot four with long brunette hair. Right? And I did, I loved her with all my being. And so, um, <clears throat> so what happened was, it, it was college. And I had the best summer job, man, ever. So I had one of these puppies. And, uh, and I, uh, I, wore, I mowed lawns for our uh, city parks. Great, great summer job as a 19-year-old, man. It was only Monday through Thursday, 8.30 till 3.30, right? So again, I had Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off. Do I know how to plan things or what, right? <laughs> I know how to plan a partying life. Um, and I was outside all day getting a massive tan, which was really important when you were 19. Um, <laughs> And I'm sitting on this stupid lawnmower one day and God speaks to my heart. And I feel like what he says is, David, 
you know this is not the life that I created you to live. And I, and I, and I knew that. And, and I knew that I loved something more than I loved him. And I knew that I wouldn't do what he wanted me to do. And I know some of you are in this boat today. You're a Christian. But there are things that God doesn't want you to do, and you're doing them anyway. And there's some of the things he's asking you to do, and you won't do them. So I'm sitting on this thing, and I felt that. And then I was driving home. And, uh, and I remember summer, the window was down, and all the cars were passing me, and they make this sound like, shoo, shoo, shoo. And so I was just watching out my window. Shoo, 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 and I'm driving. <laughs> Finally, something inside says, look at the road. <laughs> and, I'm, and I wouldn't look. And if, you know, I, kept, I was just like tranced. And I said, look at the road. And finally, I, I looked. And there was a car. I was probably going about 45 miles an hour, and there was a car stopped right in front of me. And I, whoo, I swerved, and I missed. I, and I don't have any idea how I missed it. And all I know is for the next 10 minutes, all I said on the way home was, thank you, Jesus, 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 thank you, Jesus for, for 10 minutes straight. And, and the reason I said that um, was because the last thing I wanted to do on that day was face Jesus. Because I knew I wanted him, but I was saying no to him. And I knew I had to end this relationship with this girl. I want to tell you, man, that was the worst day of my life. Anybody ever have, have to break up with somebody that you really loved before? How many of you have had somebody break up with you before? Okay, always, more hands always go up that way. Like, we're never the one to do it. Um, I... I but I want to tell you, man, it was, I, I was like letting her, every time I'd be with her, I'd act a little bit more distant, I'd playing the stupid game. And I was standing in front of the mirror one day trying to figure out how to let her know things were, you know. And I just felt like God said to me, no, you're going to tell her today. And I remember saying, you're right, I am. Man, I drove over there praying like crazy. I get there, she's wearing my favorite outfit, of course. The hair, exactly how I like it, and perfume. She knew something was up. Those next three or four hours were hell. Because, man, I loved her. And I remember when I, whew, by his grace, had the strength to, to let her go. I drove home the whole time, and I just yelled at God. And I just said, you better take care of her. You better take care of her. And it was, what was cool was um, my brother-in-law had really helped me. Because he said, David, do you think that God only loves you? <laughs> Do you think he loves her too? And I'm like, of course he does. So if he's asking you to do something, if he has something different for your life, do you think that maybe he has something different for her life? Oh. And he said, and so if you're going to say no to God, then what you're going to do is you're going to hinder her from ever receiving God's plan for her life. I'm like, done. But I want to tell you, man, what did I do on that day? Come on, what did I do on that day? I died. I died. Death hurts. And death is painful. And I'll never forget, man, I woke up that next morning and I was free. And I had peace like I hadn't had in years. And I'll, I'll never forget, you know what was weird? Is when I felt, and I remember saying this, I finally can be me. Because I had made a decision to receive Christ. And I knew he had something else he wanted me to do. And he didn't want me to love anything else more. So here's the deal. For some of you, when we end the service, you're Christians. You are. But you're not being the me that he created you to be. Because you're not doing what he's asking you to do. And you're doing stuff that he doesn't want you to do. You're buying the lie. The thinking, if you've got a better plan, if you save your life, it's going to be better than what God has. And I'm going to encourage you today to come up here and drop some seeds in that lawnmower seat as your demonstration of, you know what, Jesus, from this day forward, I'm, I'm not saying no to you anymore. And here's what's crazy, you guys. You know what was, was, what was nuts is I have never been the same since then. I've always wanted, always, always wanted Jesus ever since then. I have never been the same since that day either. There has been a, a, a you guys know me, I've been for 10 years, you're telling you, I struggle with sin just like everybody else. 
but there is a resolve that God put in my heart after this day that I will live for him. And some of you Christians in here today got to stop saying that you follow him when you don't and decide today to follow him. Here's how he put it. Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple, and here's what I know. If you have done this, I know this about, I know you want to be his disciple. I know you do, because you can't help it. Once you get Jesus, you want to. So Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will what? Do you, Annette, if they lose their life for me, they will find it. You guys, could you laugh as much spiritually as you did at this illustration physically? Could you believe with all of your heart that if you stop trying to control your life and give it to Jesus, then you could start to become the me that he created you to be? All right, last one. So after I did this, man, I tell you, I was on a spiritual high. Anybody been on a spiritual high? But then I'm just like, you know what, man? Jesus, I, I, I'm yours, man. I want to do great things for you. How many of you want to do great things for God? Okay, I, hands always go up. It's fun. So let me just tell you this. But I, I, so I'm like in this really complaining mood with God because I'm like, man, I've given you my life. How come you're not doing great things, you know? And, and so I'm at this Christian college at this time, and this missionary comes and speaks to us, and he tells us about how he was in the depths of the jungles of Colombia in the mid, and this was in the late 80s when it was communist infested. Ooh, remember that? Communism was so scary, and it really was scary. And he was talking about how the, the soldiers came down on the flatbed boats with semi-automatic weapons just to come after him and his wife and his two kids, right? It was just a great story. And, uh, but when the story was over, um, and we, it was a Christian school, we had a curfew, and I would sneak out after curfew. And I went to this golf course. And on the golf course, I'm like, see, God, what's going on? It's like, you, you did great things with him. I've given you my life. How come you're not doing great things with me? I want to tell you, man, this is the most profound moment, one of the most profound moments ever in my life. As I'm asking him why he's not going to do great things with me, I, I felt like both my feet became, it was like they were just concrete. I couldn't even move. And I just felt like he asked me, so Dave, you want to do great things for me? I'm like, yes. You know I want to do great things for you. He goes, would you go to the depths of Colombia in a communist-infested country all by yourself, no wife, no kids? See, now here's what's weird, you guys. When it's just you and God, you can't fool him. You can't go, oh, sure, God, I'll go. Right? It just doesn't work. Yeah. Because the truth was, the thought of going to the depths of Colombia by myself, there ain't no way. And here, what he said next was maybe the most profound thing I've ever heard him say to me. And I was, see, David, you want to do great things for me. But I don't have you. I don't have you. You're trying to save your life. So I went through this mental process and I thought, if God in his eternal picture, if he really is one who created everything, if he created me, <clears throat> if he was thinking, there's this group of people in the depths of Columbia that I love with all my heart, but they don't know anything about me. I, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to create David Michael Nelson. I'm going to have him grow up in Lapeer, Michigan, so he'll go to Trinity United Methodist Church so he can hear the gospel, so he can respond to me and receive me. And then as he follows me, I'm going to call him to be the man who gets to go into the depths of the jungle and reveal to these people my love. So I'm standing there and I'm just going, if that's why I'm here, you guys remember two weeks ago? You are his idea. If God's idea for me, if the reason I'm here on this planet is because I'm supposed to go to Columbia, then I gotta go. Or I will never be the me that I wanna be. And I remember in that moment, I said, I'll go, God. And I, I knew that moment, I would have hopped on the plane the next morning. I, would, I was his. It was so cool, man. My feet just got lightened and I was free. What did I do in that moment? Come on, give me, what did I do? I died. I died. 
You know what was crazy, you guys? For the next two years, every time a mission trip was available, I tried to go, and I could never go. And finally, after I graduated, I feel like God finally said to me, it's like, I didn't want you to go to Columbia. <laughs> I just wanted to know if I had you. Does he have you? Is there anything that you won't do for him? Are you still trying to save your life? Here's how Paul put it in Philippians 3. Whatever, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth, the incomparable greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of what? All things. And I count them as rubbish in order that I can gain Christ. And then he goes on, I love this. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. What's Paul saying? I, I'm still not the me I want to be. <laughs> I, I'm not there yet. But look what he says. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. You guys, when Jesus took hold of me when I was 11, <laughs> I mean, he came and he, he goes, this was his grace. He did it. He did all the work. And all I did was say, okay. And then what Paul is saying is, with Jesus, he has taken hold of you. Will you take hold of him so that you can actually experience the life that he created for you? Brothers and sisters, Paul goes, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So man, here's what I want to tell you, man. Some of you today, you're ready to start your, I know I believe with all my heart, today's a day. You're supposed to start your journey. You're supposed to be born again of God's spirit. You're supposed to receive Christ so that you can even begin to be in his kingdom. Some of you right now, no more saying no to God. No more doing the duplicitous, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I do my own thing. That is just not, if you're his disciple, you just can't do that. Today's your day. No more. I'm going to say yes to God. And some of you, are all in, but today you know you're supposed to give it everything. Now here's what's crazy, you guys. What's in this thing? You know what's really in this thing? Look at this picture. Look at that. That whole field can start from this thing. This right there, what did he say? If you remain a single seed, right? If you try to save your life, you stay like this. But if you die, you'll produce what? Many seeds. And I want to tell you what, you guys, that is the life that Christ has for you. Every one of you in this room. And yet we are duped into the spiritual warfare of the enemy saying, don't trust God with your life. Are you crazy? Do your own thing. You're doing fine. You, if you give your life to God, it's going to fall apart. And Jesus is saying, no, if you don't give your life to me, it's going to stay like this. But if you give it to me, yes, you will become a flower that will produce seeds. And I'm telling you what, you guys, this is what the world needs right here. That's what the world needs. And it's inside of every one of you in this room. And today, today, I believe Jesus said, get to church today, because I'm going to ask every one of you in this room, will you trust me? Will you believe in me? Will you let me make your life complete? So now the decision is yours. So here's what we're going to do. Band, come on out. <clears throat> and we're going to worship him. And as we do, and here's the deal, you guys. Don't, don't play the game, okay? Like, don't, don't like, get into it because other people are doing this thing because then you're just messing with God. Don't mess with God, <laughs> okay? Be totally honest. But if you're ready to receive Christ... And to die from running your own life and to just put your faith in him and receive him. That I'm, for the first time, I'm going to ask you to come up and put your seat on this, on this pew as a demonstration of your life dying and you receiving Christ. If you're a Christian already, but you're saying no more, I'm, I'm so sorry, God, for saying no to you. I know you have more for me. Then come here and put it on here. And if you're already in, but today is the day where he's saying, I want all of you. 
I don't have you. I didn't have you before you walked into this room today. I'm asking you to give me everything. Everything. Then you step over that golf cart and you place a seat on that seat. And what a perfect song to do it. We're going to sing, I surrender to him. I surrender. You will be made complete. You will find the me you want to be by surrender. Let's stand together. Let's worship him. Not just with song. Let's worship him with our lives. Here we go.
Check. Here we go. So here, I, I'm just going to tell you this. Jesus is faithful. Okay? He is faithful. And for every one of you who actually didn't just do this physically, but actually did this, look out. He's going to respond. His grace is so ready. And he doesn't need you to try to be better. All he needed you to do today was say, I surrender. I receive you. Have me. Take my life. So man, I just, I just want to pray for you. And, um, and then I just want to tell you, we have an amazing team of people here who are ready to pray for you. Some of you, especially if you put your seat on the, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the pew, man, I would love just to have a chance just to pray with you and bless you. It's the best decision you could ever make in your life, right there. Way to go. It's awesome. And for the all of man, look at those seeds. You guys, do you have any idea what will happen in this place if this is real? See, we won't only, you won't only be the you you want to be. K2 will be the church that God wants it to be. It just will. It will. And it'll be unbelievable. So, so Jesus, you, your spirit, you know, man, you know. You know everyone who walked forward and put this down and who with every intention in their heart is saying, I surrender to you, Jesus. I trust you. I believe in you. I trust you. Lord, now, your grace, your mercy, your power, your love, your strength, your wisdom, you, as we just say, I want to know you more. Jesus, you told us eternal life is knowing you. It's when we know you that we really live. Lord, would you help every person who's taken a step of faith today find more of who they want to be because they're going to find who you have created them to be. God, have our life. Do amazing things for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.